So today, I guarantee you that by the end of the day, the end of the seminar, not the end of the day, just the end of the seminar, you'll know how to distribute a Bhagavad Gita to an Indian and to anybody else. It's very different categories. And I guarantee it, if you use my method and they don't buy a book, mark it down in your notebook, I'll pay for it. There's four laws to the book distribution. If you follow the laws, you'll always be successful and you'll be able to expand. We're looking to develop capacity in our service. The service of book distribution is quantifiable and therefore can easily count whether we're increasing our capacity or not. The basic premise upon which we increase our capacity is that we assume it can be done. There's no room for making excuses because we're dealing with the Supreme Personality of Godhead who can lift the earth on his tusks as a boar. He can eat with his eyes. He expands the numerous universes and has full control over them. Anything is possible in devotional service and anything is possible in increasing book distribution. If we start with the premise that it can be done. Which premise do we start with? It can be done. Assume it can be done. Normally, we disparage people from assuming anything, don't we? Say yes. yes. Never assume. But in this case, there's an exception. We can assume that we can increase, that we can do better, that it can be done, whatever goals we make, because it's not us that's doing it, it's Krishna. Krishna. Now, the reason we set goals, goals are not our servant. We are, actually, goals are our servant. We're not the servant of goals. I said that backwards. Oftentimes, people think that the idea of setting a goal, trying to achieve something, that makes me a slave. But actually, it's a way that we're served to measure how much we're increasing our capacity. Without comp increasing our capacity to serve, we won't be satisfied. Nobody likes a plateau. And especially, we don't like a plateau here in the Sankirtan movement. It's meant to be ever-increasing. By following the four laws of book distribution, I guarantee you that you'll increase on an individual level and as a team. The four laws are as follows. The first is that your sadhana must be strong. The words that define strong sadhana are strict, serious, and sincere. Strict means that you're consistent. You do it every day. You don't take breaks. You don't take liberties. Serious means that you give it full attention when you do it. And sincere means that your motive is to please Krishna. Every day is a new day. We're not the same person in the morning that we were at night. And therefore we have to start over with exceptionally strong sadhana every morning. What do we have to start with every morning? It's our job to have an inspirational experience. We can only have an inspirational experience if we have full concentration and we sincerely try 
to do our sadhana in the morning. If we take a day off, then we may take two, then we may take a week. That is, we may chant, but our mind will be somewhere else. We'll think about maybe taking a nap, or we'll think about that maprasadam hidden under the bed. A couple of rasgulas just up from Mangalartik, it's no big deal. Neither is a nap after I finish the rasgulas. So, song sadhana means I have to plan ahead for my japa every day and make sure that that's the high point of my day. We also have to read every day because if we don't read from Prabhupada's books every day, we'll go insane. And that's why the world has gone insane. They have no Prabhupada's books, so we're trying to fix that. Prabhupada recommended that we learn the Bhagavad Gita by chanting at least one chapter of Bhagavad Gita every day. He wanted us to read all of his books and to study them all the time. Confirmed. <laughs> Strict sadhana. Number two is you must get books. We can't distribute books we don't have. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we have books wherever we go. We have books in the ashram, we're taking care of the inventory. Take books with us when we go out anywhere. And Krishna will make arrangements for us to distribute them. We may miss opportunities if we're negligent and don't get books. As His Holiness Jayapataka Maharaj pointed out last night, it's a veritable miracle that we have books at all. It's a lifetime endeavor to write one book by hand, or at least it takes up a good portion of one's life. And to afford such a thing, a handwritten book is cost prohibited for mass distribution. But nowadays we just happen to be in a niche where we have high-speed high printing and all kinds of technological ways to expand the written word or the written kirtan to the world. So we shouldn't neg neglect it at all. Is there enough air in here for you all? Is there ways of getting more air in here? We don't have a moratorium on air? It's open? You can open other windows too if you want. It's one of the great formulas for life is get air also. Get books, get air. First law of book distribution is? The first law of book distribution is? Your sadhana must be strong. Second law is? Get books. The third is the more you show, the more you sell. The more you show, the more you sell. Living beings are just looking around the universe. Brahmanda, Brahmatenko, and Bhagavanjeev. They're wandering, looking wherever they go. It's all window shopping. They're looking for some nice place to live. They're looking for some nice thing to eat, some nice thing to read. And they're not getting any nice thing. There is no nice thing in this world except for Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and Krishna Prashadam. So 
we have to take the trouble to display the Bhagavad Gita, to show it digitally, to show it personally, door to door, on the street, at assemblies. Whenever Prabhupada did a program anywhere, he had what he called the bookstore. And he asked his devotees to bring a table and a display of books. And he always displayed his books whenever he did a program. This is the third principle. The more you show, the more you sell. I had home programs at my house for 18 years. And it was just devotees coming. Nothing just about devotees, but I meant exclusive of other new people or outside audience that is seeing things for the first time. And even at that program, I'd put up a book table. And I was always surprised that even amongst the devotees that I figured already had everything, they'd always buy all the books just because they were there. What to speak of, you go anywhere and you put the books out. At New York Rathiyatra this last weekend, Gopal Champu Prabhu organized it so that every booth at the Rathiyatra had a display of books. What was the result? They sold twice as many books as they did before. Because the more you show, Okay, let's try it again. The more you show, the more you sell. So keep it in mind that even if you feel yourself inept, even if you are inept at selling books, but you just display them, you're going to sell them. I see in, in Vrindavan there's Russians that apparently have never had any training about how to sell books, and all they do is stand there in the crowd and they go like this. <laughs> Mayapur too, they just walk up to people and they go like this. And I see people buying books all the time. Why? Because of the third law of book distribution, that is? I guarantee if we experiment today, do a double-blind study, we'll put one person on one corner with no book, and we'll put another person on another corner with a book, and they don't say anything, they just get to hold it up like this. Which one do you think will sell a book? Which laws does that cover? The third law. And which other one? The first, the law number two. We put a person on one corner with no book. We put a person on another corner with a book, and they just stand there. Which two laws? Get books, second and third, right? The one that just stands there holding the book, someone will buy it, because the more you show, now, the fourth law of book distribution is you must organize. Please say it. You must organize. You should always be a little bit better than next time. That's how you develop capacity. So here's the way you do it. Always keep a list. Have a pad in your pocket and a pen always available so that you can write down where you can improve. Have you ever noticed uh, situations where there's something wrong in the temple operation or in the ashram somewhere or in your car or anywhere else and every time you see it, you think, oh, that doesn't work. I should fix that someday. Anybody have that? Yeah. Yes. Do you ever have a habit you keep doing it and say, like, oh, I should stop doing that? But you keep doing it? Yeah. And don't do that anymore. Write down where there's room for improvement. That's your list that will 
bring your life into upward mobility in all forms. Because if you identify exactly where you want to improve, then you can. So in the Sankirtan party, wherever that may be, whatever party you're on, whether you're a party of one, party of three, or a huge Sankirtan party, it's always the principle that you write down where there's room for improvement. Like today, we're all going to go out on book distribution, and we'll be keeping a list of all the ways that we could have done better the next time. And every month, you make at least three improvements. Now, you can do this with your sadhana, with your personal organization, the way you keep yourself. And the other list that you keep on the other side of the page is what worked well. Find out what's working well. Look around and study the environment. Who's selling books and what are they saying? What works? Keep a log of what things are working and what things need to be improved. And then you have to review it and make a conscious effort to improve it. That's one of the aspects of organization. The other is brainstorming. When you have a group that's volunteering and they're motivated to do service, when you bring them all together and you have a whiteboard and a pen and you ask the devotees to solve a particular problem, for instance, how can we distribute this year? What's our goal for the Srimad Bhagavatam sense? 15,000? 55,000? What's your goal at the manor here? Only. So you'd put a 725 at the top of the page and then ask the whole assembly to give ideas, brainstorm. Nothing is out of bounds. You can suggest anything and we'll write it down. Try to get up to a hundred different suggestions. And then go back and work together and prioritize what are the top seven or ten that we can execute. And then focus on those. This is organization. When you do that, then you have ways that you're improving. And when you're improving, everyone wants to do more. The paradigm works like this. If you have an organization and things are improving, everyone will do more than they have to. If you have an organization where everything's staying the same, people do just what they have to. And if you have one where people notice that things are breaking down and they're not getting better, then they quit. So it's the duty of leaders, and you're all leaders, you're leaders of your own life, and if you lead a team or you're participating in a team, it's your duty to organize. Brainstorm, find ways to improve, and make at least three improvements every month. Those are some basic principles that anyone can get started with. And by following the four laws of book distribution, you can improve your own acumen for distributing books, your own volume you can increase, and you can build a dynasty of book distribution. We started at ISV with exactly zero, because we had no community at all. And then the community came together with just a few devotees. And then we started doing a little book distribution, and we set some goals, and we brainstormed how to make it better, and we kept doing that over and over and over and over again. And a tiny little community out in the middle of nowhere in Silicon Valley, which is not exactly nowhere, but in any case, we progressed from one of our first big goals was in one day 
to go to two spots and distribute at least 100 pieces of literature and, and have six devotees participate. And when we set that goal, it was so enormous for us that the devotees complained and said, this is too ambition, too ambitious. And then I wrote an essay about the magic of thinking big. And we decided to go for it, and they succeeded. And we were able to continuously increase our goals using these four principles over a period of time, starting around 2007. And now, every year, this community, which is mostly a bunch of babies running around in diapers, mothers pushing baby strollers, and devotees who work full-time, or come out on the weekends. We give nearly we give nearly a million dollars a year to the BBT just from one temple. Oh. And it's all using these basic principles of strong sadhana, making sure that we are attentive to our inventory of books making sure that we're going out and showing books in all different venues as much as possible and brainstorming and organizing, always making improvements. So those are the four laws of book distribution. And if you follow those laws carefully, you'll be increasingly more and more successful in your book distribution. Frankly, the UK should be on top of the world. Your capabilities here the leadership that you have, the facility that you have, you should be squarely beating Mayapur every year. I'm serious. Beat Mayapur, right? Say yes. Yes. Assume it can be done? Yes. Then what would you do next? Yeah. And if you plan for it, you can put up at the top of the um, whiteboard beat Mayapur, then you'd find out how many Mayapur was doing, how many you're doing, and then say, how can we close the gap? Would you like to do that? Yes. yes. Okay, then just do it. <laughs> find somebody in front of you, and then find out how to pass them. That's from Krishna's Leela. The kids, they all run after Krishna, so you could touch him first. And on the Parikram path, and go, go over Don. People ask me how I could go around so fast, and I'll tell you my secret. I always found somebody in front of me that was going faster, and I said, I'm going to pass that person. <laughs> no matter what it takes, I'm going to blow past them. And then I just find the next person, some sadhu going as fast as he could, and they say, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to pass them. So you have to have somebody in front of you, and then keep passing them, and make sure that you keep doing it. And that way you could increase. Unlimitedly. So now I'm going to tell a few principles of book distribution. This is speed learning, so I hope you get all this. Is this making sense? Your life passing before your eyes. Okay. The way to preserve knowledge is to distribute it. There's great need for the light of knowledge, Krishna Shada, Mopakate, Dhamaganadi, Saha, Kalonashta, Shamesha, Kura Narko Donodita. The light of the Bhagavatam has arisen just after 
Lord Krishna departed for his own abode. So, of course, Matsya kept the Vedas up on a boat. And we're charged, we've been given the job, thank goodness, to distribute these wisdom literatures, the topmost of which is the Srimad Bhagavatam, as much as possible. So, you can thank the Parampara for giving you this service to do. And, right now, we're engaged in the surge, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's 2023. We have this year, and 2024, 2025, and 2026, we have to be in position to distribute at least 50, at least uh, 100,000 sets of Bhagavatams. So, the UK, and especially the Manor and Soho, is that meaningful to all of you? Think about how to increase and pick up the pace and join the surge because you're part of something historic. The Srimad Bhagavatam success principles for book distribution. Okay, I'll show the slide and I'll say the first words and then you finish it. Preaching means? Yeah. Treat people? Offer, practice, don't be, make people, express, our motto, always better service. Say always better service. We are, remain, we go out for, Sometimes devotees ask me, oh, I'm afraid to go out because I'll get rejected. Say, good. That's a good thing. Not many people have that opportunity. They live in such a way as to insulate themselves from rejection. That's the worst thing you can do. If you have a spouse, you know that it's very purifying to have somebody that can tell you, it's like, you're doing it all wrong. It's like, no, I'm not. It's like, then you start thinking about it. It's like, maybe I am. And then you can improve yourself. If you have nobody to tell you, to get out of here or to do it better the next time, no instant feedback from the environment, then you don't grow. So one of the ways that book distribution is so powerful for our spiritual health is that when we are rejected, when people do ignore us, when somebody um, gives us a suggestion that we should go jump in a lake, there's there's a way in which Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, all of these incidents when you're out teaching Krishna consciousness and distributing books, they are chidrakta for your chid sharira. What's chidrakta? Rakta, chidrakta. No Bengalis in here? It's spiritual blood. Everyone say spiritual blood. And it's for your chid sharira. What's your chid sharira? Your spiritual body. You're making an investment into a spiritual 401k. You don't have those here. It's a retirement account. Every time you go out, you get rejected. Somebody disdains your activity or expresses disdain. Then there's a way in which you're getting this kind of spiritual blood. So don't go out just because you want to be a hero. Don't go out because 
you want to show off that you can control people with your superpowers because you know how to manipulate people. Go out to be purified and feel what it feels like to walk beyond the threshold of your house where you feel comfortable or where you know where the bathroom is or you know where you can take a nap anytime you want. Go out in the great unknown where you're going to be challenged. And because of that, you're going to get purified. Those who go out and do book distribution have a restart every time they go out. And they become properly aligned spiritually because of it and purified. So we're not going out to sell books. We're not going out to show off, to perform. We're going out for our own purification. So we go out for... I save one soul at a time. Yeah, don't worry about saving everybody else. Try to save yourself. Don't worry about how everyone else is doing everything wrong. Just worry about how you're doing things wrong. There's a big enough list. In fact, a, uh, a friend of mine, not exactly a friend, but somebody, an acquaintance of mine who was a very advanced devotee, he was a sannyasi from another line when I knew him and he, he used to say that my religion is finding faults in myself and correcting them. That's my religion. So if people ask you what your religion is, say finding my own faults and improving them. What religion are you guys? We try to find our own faults and try to improve ourselves. I save one soul at a time. Okay, now here's the most important principle of the day. I'm going to save you a lot of time and energy and consternation, and you can thank me later. Okay, you ready? This principle is called pick the ripe fruits. What's it called? Pick the ripe fruits. Here's how it works. So this is a random picture. There's a devotee on the right. That person with a backpack he walked into the Rathiatra in New York. It's brand new, but he was very open and appreciative of what we were doing and received several books. Does he look like a ripe fruit to you? Yes. Okay. How about the guy on the right? Ripe or unripe? How about this one? How about that one? How about this one? Come on, work with me. You've got to be fast. When you go on a book distribution, you have to see, is a person ripe or unripe? This next sentence will, can change your approach to book distribution and help you immensely. And that is, we're not going out to convince everybody. We're going out to select the ripe fruits. Don't try to convince every single person. Although you can get better at it, you can develop your skill. But especially if you're just starting, learn how to select rather than convince. Because there are ripe fruits out there. And if you wait for them, just like if you're, I don't know, play cricket or baseball. You don't play baseball. If you play cricket, I don't know how it works, but in baseball you have to wait for a good pitch and then you can hit it out of the park. It's called the sixer, right? So you wait for the right pitch and then you smack it hard. So the same thing, we look for the right fruits. If it's an unripe fruit, then you grab it you pull it off the tree. If the branch comes off with it, that's fine. Just drag it down the street. 
Put it in the trunk of your car, right? Is that right? Okay, you go to the tree, fruit's unripe, you grab onto it, it's hard, it won't come off, so you get really frustrated, and you pull it as hard as you can. The branch bends and bends and bends, and you say, I'm not letting go of you for anything. You're coming with me, and then you, the branch breaks. So then you snap it off, and you drag it down the street. That's how you pick fruits, right? No. Is that how you pick fruits? No. no. Same thing. Don't grab onto people who aren't ripe and then try to break them off the branch and then drag them down the street. Find ones that are really easy. They come off in your hand. You practically look at them and then like, don't. They come out in your hand. Like a ripe peach or mango. All you have to do is barely touch it and it comes out. Okay, I'm ready. There's a spectrum from zero to ten. From zero to five, unripe. And from 5.1 all the way up to 10, you're getting riper and riper and riper. So there's a way in which we're selecting people when we move around, whether we're on the phone, we're on the internet, we're talking to people on the street, door to door. We take a look and we say 0 to 5, 5.1 to 10. Which one is it? And when we see 5.1, then you can put your energy. Otherwise, Shastra says, Ishvare Tadadineshu, Vali Sheshu Dusatsucha, Prema Maitri Kupopekshat, Yakaroti Samadhyamaha. That the Madhyamas, the preachers, that's all of you who go out, should be selective. And you should look for people who are already ripe and open. And when they find such people, you pour in as much mercy as you possibly can. And when you find somebody that's a five, or a below, and they're not ripe, what are you supposed to do? Chase them, right? No, you really should. You should badger them, right? Follow them to their house, find out where they live, keep calling them over and over again, call them at 3 a.m. Say, why don't you take this? Is that right? No, it's not right. You let them go graciously. A little panache. Offer them respects. And wish them well, give them a smile, stay out of their way, appreciate, give them their space. Five and below, let them go. Just made that up. Okay, so start small and grow. Corn explorer. I stole this from Charles Schwab. Corn explorer means in investing, you invest in those equities that you know are going to grow. That they're, they're tried and true, so basically trust them to some degree. And the other 20% of your portfolio, you look around for emerging markets and all kinds of things you can invest in. That maybe they're a little riskier, but still, you know, you're trying to grow your portfolio. In Sankirtan, what that means is there's 80% you already know you're relatively successful at how to do it, right? Like you have some method, please say yes. Yes. And if you don't, I'm going to teach you one in just a few minutes that I guarantee or your money back for every book you don't sell. If you use my method, I guarantee you'll sell. And if you don't use my method, I can't guarantee it. But if you do, and you don't, person doesn't take the book, I'll pay for it. You just mark it down in your book, send me the tab. 20% of the time, try something completely new and outrageous. You know those times when you thought, I should have asked for 500 quid. 
Why not take 20% of your time out of the day? If you're going out for an hour, how long would that be? 12 minutes. Take 12 minutes and say for the next 12 minutes, set your watch. Say for the next 12 minutes, I'm going to ask every person for 500 quid. How much should I give? 500. We try to get 500 quid. Just keep saying it over and over again. Or try a new method. Try something that you've heard about, you thought about, you never something outrageous, way off the beaten path. Don't keep doing the same thing. That's for the 80%. The 20% experiment like crazy. Put up a sign. Do a dance. Uh, put on a mask. Um, you know, do a play. You brainstorm it. Get a hundred things and pick out seven that are new that are going to go in the 20%. That's how you find new pathways. Corn explore. Goals are potent. You have to set a goal. The world sets goals on everything, otherwise humans go crazy. Whenever I walk past my park, Washington Park, I notice everything's measured. Otherwise humans can't take the existential angst of looking into a universe that is seemingly unlimited. Like I, one evening I was walking past a football field. We call football something different, sorry. It's got these uprights, they call uprights where they kick the ball through. And the stars were just coming out. The sun was on its way down. And I was looking through the uprights from my walking path. And I was thinking, yeah, it's a little measurement of the universe. If I didn't have this little space here and then I had a goal to kick the ball through it, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, by the way. A little measuring space and then if you can kick the ball through there, you, you get a million... You know, 20 million, 50 million dollars a year. And I was thinking how humans have to have a place where they say, okay, at least here. Because if you take away the goalposts and you're just looking at the stars and the moon and you start thinking, wow, where does it all end? <laughs> then you might as well go to a cave and meditate. So in order to move forward in every endeavor, we have to have some measurement. And book distribution is the perfect place to measure because they're either in the box or not when you get home. You took out 20 units, three are gone, or there's 17 left. How many did you distribute? There's three, and you can mark it down. And you can say, tomorrow I'll try to do four. So as soon as you commit to a goal, then the energy starts to pour in. Where attention goes, you can get a tattoo of that one. It's authorized. A lot of people each, yeah, let everyone do their little part. We're not looking for heroics. We're not looking for a grand performance to show off. We want to engage everyone in the self-purification of book distribution. Let everyone do a little bit. There's something for everyone. Keep the bar low and start. So if you're thinking about going out today, and you're a little hesitant, here's what happens in an assembly. 100 people come to the first part of the seminar. They listen to all the principles, the four laws of book distribution, how to distribute the books and so forth. And then five minutes before we're about to get in cars and go to the place, they get a phone call from their mom. And mom needs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> And they'll say, I would come out, maybe I'll come out later, but I have to go home because my mom needs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
take the risk. Go out, because here's why. If you're a little afraid of going out, don't worry, because we're not going to distribute any books today. The only goal we have today is to go out and touch the pavement, to see what it feels like to cross the threshold of your house, of the temple, to get in the car, feel that exhilaration of what's going to happen now. Oh, Krishna, what did I get myself into? You want to feel like that. That's the zone where you make advancement in Krishna consciousness, where you feel a little helpless. Try to feel like that. But don't worry, because all we're going to do today is go to our spot, and we're going to take a picture of you touching the pavement. And then you'll be a hero, because you did your job, that's all. Anything after that is extra. Does that sound fair? Yes. Okay, five people thought it was fair. I want you to repeat after me. Sankirtan is fun and easy. Sankirtan is fun and easy. Book distribution is fun and easy. Five times. Book distribution is fun and easy. 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 See? It's fun and easy. <laughs> okay, soon it can be done. Encourage the heck out of everybody. Heck gets in people and it's not a pretty sight, so you gotta encourage them. What do you think? Yes. Okay, turn to somebody and encourage them. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks for coming down today. See, so you brought your laptop. You have Utsahan enthusiasm. I have all this left up here. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, stop. No more encouragement. Don't you hate that? Isn't that awful when somebody comes up to you and gives you a word of encouragement? Doesn't it like ruin your whole day? Someone comes up and goes, You're doing an amazing job. It's like We're a volunteer organization. Every person who walks in this door, who's doing whatever, even first time they come and see the deities, they say, Hare Krishna, any living entity for that matter, takes a moment to stop and look at what you, ha what you have, you should encourage them. What to speak of devotees have dedicated their lives? Should be constantly encouraging other devotees. Take time, see, catch people doing something right and lean in. You know, don't walk past the door, lean into the people washing the pots in the back room. If you notice somebody puts their shoes in the shoe rack rather than just kicking them off in the hallway so everyone can trip on them on their way out, you know, take a minute and say, wow, you're really conscientious. I appreciate you. Take time to encourage. Encourage the heck out of? Everyone. What about animals? Do they like it? Yeah. Try it. Walk up to a cat or a dog or a cow and just say, you know, you're a good-looking cat. Like, hey, thanks. <laughs> All living beings like it. Goals are meant to serve you. We're not the servant of goals. They're meant to serve us so we can reach for something higher. If we're not reaching for something higher every day, as soon as we wake up in the morning, if we don't have that clear idea, what am I reaching for today? What's my next level I'm trying to reach? Then we're... 
We're cheating ourselves. We're depriving ourselves. We're human beings. We're powerful achievers. There's so much we can attain just by setting simple goals and then over and again trying to achieve them. Krishna will help us. Tesham Satati Yuktanam. We can develop Katvanga consciousness. And Martin's Katvanga, he only had a moment to live. After he did all the service and then he wanted a benediction from the demigods, they said, anything you want, he said, just tell me, how much time do I have left? And they said, about a minute, according to our Apple Watch. And he got busy and got ready to go back to Godhead in one minute. So consider every minute your Katvanga minute. That I'm going to use this minute for my highest good and keep doing that. Jala due to consciousness. We happened to be in Calcutta last year for one of our yatras. And we drove over the bridge where we overlook the place, the dock, where Prabhupada got on the Jala Dutta. It's on the Ganga. Did you know that? Prabhupada got on that boat on the Ganges. And then the Ganges goes out to the ocean. And we all got off the bus and we beheld that sacred place where Prabhupada boarded the Jala Dutta. We had a big kirtan and distributed books on the bridge. And all the devotees felt the same way. It was such an inspiring place. Prabhupada alone got on that boat. What did it feel like when it pushed off? You know that point when you're on an airplane and just kicks back? All of a sudden you feel like, here I go. I'm leaving everything else behind. I'm going. There's no way back. He got on that boat and then it chugged off from the gate. He'd never been outside of India. And there he was going to a completely unknown place. We should do that. Find your own Jaladutta. Find your way to get on that nerve where you don't know what's going to happen next. You go out into the great unknown. Sankirtan's like that. And every day that you do that, you're catching your own Jaladutta. Find ways to increase that feeling and be adventurous, daring and active in Krishna consciousness. That's where you'll feel excitement. How we do is more important than yeah, we may have goals and be attaining high things, but what if the cost is other devotees or our own consciousness and so forth? So we should do things in the way that Krishna advises us to do, particularly the last seven verses of the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says which kinds of qualities in the devotees he most appreciates. How much time do I have, by the way? Mission-oriented management. Management should be based on a particular mission. Where are we going? Management for management's sake is a complete bore. It's bureaucracy. It's what drags us all down and makes us feel like we want to do something else and be more independent. When we have mission-based management, mission-specific goals that we're going for, we're trying to attain specific aspects of the mission in our lives and in our team's lives and in our community's lives. Then life and goals become successful and we avoid the plateau. The prophet said that management follows preaching like a shadow. We should be thinking how to expand the, the Krishna conscious movement and then manage around that. Not management for the sake of management. We accomplish team efforts and team results over individual. We started this at ISV. The devotees there didn't know anything about book distribution. 
And I already had a clear idea about which way direction I wanted to go. So when we started at ISV, we never emphasized individual achievements. I feel that it's counterproductive, and I'll tell you why. One day when I was in Los Angeles, many, many years ago, I came back from the airport from distributing books. There was a clipboard, you had to write your score on it and your name. And I saw that two devotees had done more books than me. I could barely sleep that night. And the next morning when they were reading the scores, I dreaded hearing the scores because I thought, I'm number three? How can I be number three? I can't handle this. And then I thought to myself, this is not right. This is a counterproductive. And I started in a growing feeling in me that everyone should feel encouraged when they go out, not dissuaded from going out because they can't perform at a higher level. And when we instituted this idea of just group scores, it's all about the team, all for one and one for all. What I found was there was a larger spread. That is, more people came out and were willing to do something. That's why a lot of people each doing a little bit is powerful. At least for the community time, you can do, but you can experiment with others. Many of the high-powered Brahmachari Sankirtan teams are doing it now, and they're reporting also that it's extremely helpful. More people get involved, and also there's a sense more of cooperation. Competition could also turn on its head and start to be counterproductive in a way that people say that they're hiding what they do, what's successful, so other people don't get a hold of it. It's like corporate secrets. When you go to Apple or you go to Google, they make you sign a thing at the front. You won't take anything away and share it with anybody else. And you also won't introduce anything else there. And there's this exclusivity that's not very productive at all. After we instituted this, somebody heard about it, a senior devotee, and called us up and said, Prabhupada never did this. He, he emphasized competition. And the person who answered the phone, one of my godbrothers said, Okay, that's fine. Why don't you compete against us? And the results, far and wide, the, the team that I'm on, or I'm on at least locally, I'm on all teams, but it's done far better than any other team. In North America, we're number three in the world, just behind Mayapur and Delhi, just one little place out in California. So I'm just saying that team efforts are very, very powerful. And it's worth looking into. Increased capacity, that's what we're looking for. The goals that we set are practically arbitrary. I mean, you can make up any goals and say, this is what I'm going for. And then you can get an all anxiety about it, which is good. But just remember that birds fly in the sky as high as they're able. But the sky's unlimited. So when you reach your goal, what are you going to do now? <laughs> You're still unlimited space. So the point is... We're setting goals to increase our capacity. The more you give, okay. The more you give, the more you grow. The benefits of a global team, it builds esprit de corps, resource sharing, idea sharing. Also, book distribution is high sadhana. Please say that. Book distribution is high sadhana. It turns Kanishtari cars into Majamari cars. Now, Kanishtarikaris sit around arguing all day about the little details of devotional service and criticizing everybody else if they're not doing it the way they're doing it. 
And Madhyamarta Adhikaris sit around all day and night thinking about how to spread the Sankirtan movement. What would you rather have, Kanishas or Madhyamas? Yay, Madhyamas. Sankirtan uplifts ISKCON communities, big and small. And then there's the great art of book distribution. Now, I'm going to teach you, as I promised, how to distribute to Hindus. It's very different than distributing a Bhagavad Gita, for instance, to a person who's uh, from any other place, doesn't have a Hindu background. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. Don't hand them anything. (laughs) I'm going to start over again. Here's how to distribute to Hindus. Are you ready? Yes. Now, some of you are going to see this and then you're going to blow it and I'm going to get on your case. Don't hand them anything. What does that mean? It means don't hand them anything. As soon as you hand some, a, a Hindu Indian something, you're finished. You might as well just go home. Why? Because it's the ultimate condescension. They're feeling guilty enough as it is. They're raised in a family where do jai jai, do jai jai. Now they're not doing jai jai. And they're also not reading Bhagavad Gita and they feel like they should because their grandmother memorized it. And everything they know they should be doing, they're not doing and they feel horrible about it. And when you go up and say, here, take Bhagavad Gita, they're like, ah! Inside they're, no, 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 I already know this. I know everything. I know everything. So that's how to get a Hindu person to freak out is hand them a Bhagavad Gita. Don't hand them a card. Don't hand them anything. Here's what you do. Make friends. Just make friends. Hold back all the paper. Hold back all the links. No links to emails. Nothing. We don't have that on us. Sorry. Ask where they're from. Everyone worships their homeland, especially in India. They probably should be worshiping their homeland from where they're all from. So that's the first thing you do. Where are you from? Here's how you make friends. And then glorify that place. Where's somebody from India? Where are you from? Gujarat. Gujarat. Show. I love Gujarat. Jagane, Jagane. Krishna Ra Go Krishna Jagani Krishna Govardhya Tujivana say I gotta brush up on my Gujarati. Whatever it is, you know, find something about the Acharya that's there or you know, anything to appreciate their homeland, because Gujarat is one of the most pious places on earth. You're not gonna find a better place anywhere, Gujarat. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact. Appreciate Gujarat. <laughs> I went there finally after going. I would spend so much time elsewhere, and I finally went to Gujarat and fulfilled my heart's desire. I love Gujaratis. Okay, ask where they're from, and then appreciate it. Now, here's your go-to phrase, and you can never use it enough when you're talking practically to anybody, but especially to somebody from India. Are you ready? To practice mantra, this one you can tattoo on your other arm. You know better than me. Say it. You know better than me. 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 
this is the phrase that unlocks everything. It unlocks the conversation. You're able to continue. Preface everything you say with, you know better than me. You know better than me. The world's problems can only be solved from a spiritual platform. And then you can tell them what we're doing. We're distributing the jewel of India, the Bhagavad Gita, in many different languages. In Japanese. What are the languages that we distributing the Bhagavad Gita in? Yeah, all these. And along with you know better than me, you could also say, you already know all this. You already know everything. So say these. You already know all this. You already know everything. You know everything. They were about to say that. So when you say it first, it's preemptive. And they, they're like, hey, wait a minute. I can't say that anymore. <laughs> but you know better than me that the, the way to solve the world's problems is from a spiritual platform. And we're distributing the Bhagavad Gita in multiple languages around the world. And we put them in hospitals, hotels, schools. We have them in many, many languages around the world to make peace in the world. And so this is the best non-sectarian knowledge in the world. Spiritual knowledge comes from the Bhagavad Gita, as you know better than me. And then you say the magic words. You still haven't handed them anything. Even if they reach for it, you keep it back. We're doing a fundraiser, say it. We just asked for money. money. That's it. Be very straightforward. It's a fundraiser. We just asked for money. And then they'll immediately feel relief because they got a bunch of money and they're just sitting there thinking like, who am I going to give it to? And then you tell them. And they're happy to give money. Totally happy. Unless you give them something first. Then it's tit for tat and they're buying the Bhagavad Gita and the whole thing's canceled. You might as well go home or go to another area. Okay? Thank you. After they donate, which they will, I promise you they will, if you do it the way I said, then you can give them books and they'll be so happy. You can give every book, because they'll give a huge donation, I promise you. They'll want to know, what do you want? Zelle, Venmo, PayPal, do you have that stuff here? PayPal, Cash App, whatever, they'll give the donation, and then you can stack them up with as many books as you want, and they'll be the happiest person on earth that they got away from the idea that you were proselytizing, condescending to them, reminding them that they don't have the Bhagavad Gita because they already know Bhagavad Gita, their mother read Bhagavad Gita, their grandmother memorized Bhagavad Gita. They wish they had to, they didn't have time. And now, since you spared them the idea that you're going to put the Bhagavad Gita in their lap and say, you should read this, and embarrassing them, you spared them all that, they'll be so happy to donate, and then they'll be feel as a reward, they can take the Bhagavad Gita with them. Okay? Yes. Satisfied? Yes. I guarantee it. You use my method, you'll distribute it to every Indian person that you meet on the street. And if you don't, if they don't give, mark it down, I'll pay for the books. Now get ready, because here's how to distribute Bhagavad Gita on its own merit. You need a break? Everyone stand up. Try touch the ceiling and say, Go Ranga. Now put your hands down and take a nice breath and exhale and reach up for the ceiling 
and say, Go Runga. And put your hands down and take a nice breath. And reach up to the ceiling. Okay, let's sit down. Do you have enough air? Does anybody need water? You gonna make it through? You're okay? Yes? Maybe. Okay. Listen to this part. It's it's a step-by-step template of how to distribute a Bhagavad Gita. Okay? Yes? Yes. Here we go. Here are the steps. Eight simple steps. One is radar. Repeat after me. Two is qualify. Three is trust the hand. Four is give a nutshell presentation. Five is show and tell. Six is compliment. Seven is humor. Eight is engage. Now, could you hand me one of those little cards over there? It's all on this little card here, step by step. So don't worry, we'll go over it. We're also going to stand up and practice through it a couple of times. And then if you want to take a card with you, you can stop somebody and say, listen, I'm brand new. I'm just trying this. So you hold the card and tell me how I'm doing. You can guide me through it. And they like that. It's like, oh, I can help you through that. Then you get to the donation part. Okay, you're supposed to ask me for a donation now. Like, okay, can you give a donation? And then, oh, okay. (laughs) So we have these for you. Now, here we go. Radar. Do you have that here? Yeah. So radar is a special instrument that judges how fast you're going. They send out a beam. And it comes back to the machine, and then they can read it. So, what is the spectrum we have? One to ten. And on that spectrum, which are the ones that you're going to stop and talk to? 5.1 to 10. And below that, you let them go. Let them off for the warning. Go ahead. Okay, so you have radar, and it's uncanny. You just don't think about it ever. But now you're going to start thinking about it. Because what you're going to do is you're going to send out a radar beam to each person as a possible candidate to see if they're on the scale of 5.1 to 10 or 5.1 or 5 and below. And here's how you do it. You point your hand like this at somebody and you say, hi. Hi. See, I got a lot of responses. There's a lot of 5s, 10s, 15s, 20s in here. Off the scale. That's why I got a nice response, right? Hi. 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 Everyone's friendly here. What if you did that, like, on the street somewhere? What do you think would happen? If you just go to people go, hi, hi, hi. What will happen? Huh? You'll get a, a, a variety of responses. And they'll all fall somewhere on the scale of 1 to 10. You notice... See, if you don't do anything else today, just practice this. This is all you have to do to come out a little bit if you want to do more than touch the pavement. You can just go up to people. Don't worry about selling anything. Just practice saying hi to people. Just go, hi, and see what they do. This is coming out of your shell just a little bit because most people is like, am I going to look at this guy or am I going to... You get an elevator with one other person. 
<laughs> try to look at you walk past the streets like look down at the ground don't look at them because if you look at him I have to say good morning it's like uh oh so the thing is we have a beam coming out of our eyes if you look at people's eyes and you watch their face you're going to be able to read it whether it's a 5.1 or above or 5 and below it's very easy to do you just have to practice at it just a little bit and the way you the way you instigate it is you put up your little radar and you say hi. Try it. Point it at somebody, not at me. I can't handle all the energy. Point to somebody with your palm and say hi and see what you get back. Did you get a reading? Did you get a reading? Yeah? Okay, ready for step number two? You're one-eighth of the way through. That's the easy step. Hi, 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 hi. Try it with everybody. Because some people are going to go, Hi, how are you? Good to see you. What's that? Yeah, it's like 8, 10. And then you do, do a hi to me. What's that? It's below five. Definitely below five. And now you have permission. You're not going to freak out. You're not going to feel... Rejected because you're going to go, oh, I know, that's on the scale. It's on the spectrum. They're below fives. So what, what are you supposed to do when they're below five? You just let them go. Graciously let them go. Honor them as they walk past. Uh, you know, Don't create any static whatsoever. It doesn't matter whether they're above five or below five. It's all the same. All you're doing is selecting fruits. That's all you have to do. You're not concerned whether they say yes or no. That's not your business. Your business is just to go out there. In fact, I'll te teach you an extra trick. It's not on this. But I'm going to teach you how to be fearless in going on in Sankirtan. Do you want to know how to be fearless when you go on in Sankirtan? Yes. Okay, feel behind your head. Right at the base, there's a little switch there. And when you flip that switch, you turn into a robot. You don't care anymore. You know there are robots now? Human robots, have you seen them? Become one of those and just remember that you don't care about anything. Ready to switch it? One, two, three, switch. I don't care. Whether a person's above five, below five, I don't care. Because it's binary to me. I'm just selecting everybody. Whether above five, below five, it's not my business. Somebody asked me yesterday, what if I go out and people reject me and say, what's it to you? That's not your business. It doesn't matter. You try to get 20 no's in a row. Make it your goal. Okay, radar. You know how to do radar now. It works. I promise you it works. You just point and say hi, and you'll watch them eyes, their countenance, and you can judge. Five and above, 5.1 5 and above, or below five. Here we go. Hand power. We read about it as the verse I had the other day. Indra controls the hand. Just remember that. The hand is a sense, and the desire to grab that's, a, that's one of the impulses of the senses, is to grab things. So that's the dharma of the hand. It's all set up by Indra and the demigods. You can keep that. So in the hand power, now the mind, the guy, you know, it might be a 5.1 right on, this, on the border there. And he's thinking, should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I? And then you just put the book out. May I have a book? Is it too much to ask in a Hare Krishna temple to get a Bhagavad Gita? Can I get a Bhagavad Gita around here or what? Okay, better if I have a Gita, because that's the book we're talking about today. Thank you very much.
So now watch this. See, it's in my hand. The hand is a valuable sense. It holds it, grasps things, and it gives things away, and it brings them back again. Now watch. Are you watching? Yes. I'm not convinced you're watching. Yes. Did you see that? It's a veritable miracle. You take it for granted, and you think, oh, that's no big deal. There were demigods involved there. Indra. That's it right in the Bhagavatam. We read it, the verse. When was that? Yesterday? Bhagavatam class? Yeah, it said Indra's in control of the hand and grabbing and giving, watching it. Do you see that? Huh? Okay, watch this. Don't go for it the first time. <laughs> That's another little trick. I give you that one for free, extra. It's a miracle, actually. So the next thing is to put the book in their hand. Just trust the hand. Deal with the hand directly. Understand it's controlled by the demigod. And you just put the object in the hand. The hand goes, yeah, I'll take it. It's got its own, own system, the hand. It grabs stuff. It loves to do that. So put the book in their hand and qualify them. Hand power. Oh, okay. That's more with this. I'm getting to something else. I'm a little behind on the slides here. The, the next stage before you put the book in their hand is to qualify Okay, so here's how you qualify somebody, is you ask them a qualifying question. Where are you from? Where? Gujarat. Gujarat. I love Gujarat. <laughs> I went to Gujarat, I went to Amnibah, Camp Show. Okay, this is from London to Gujarat. Now, what's the difference between that and me walking up to him and saying, here! <laughs> the difference is, he doesn't know why I'm handing the book. And there's a way that the mind is speculating, is it, like, what's he going to do to me? Why is he handing me the book? So qualify means, before you hand anything over, ask a qualifying question. The easiest question to ask is, where are you from? Because that's not a yes or no question. If you ask a yes or no question, they're going to say no, because they don't want to get involved. But if you ask them, I, you can announce first where you're from. Say, I'm from California. Where are you from? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Sui, Samsui, Pong, Mangkok, Homintin, New Territories are way up on the peak. <laughs> Homintin. I love Homintin. This is from San Francisco to Homintin. <laughs> That's qualification. Before you hand over the book, qualify them. Appreciate where they're from. I'm from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas, home of the Rockets. Fantastic from America to Houston. So everything, you can appreciate their hometown, do a little puja, take out a puja kit. <laughs> Qualify them. Now, when you hand the book over, that's the next part, is trust the hand. That's the part of saying, you're going to hand the book over, but here's what you're going to do when you're handing the book over. There's a mantra that goes with the handoff. Are you ready? Books on, yoga and meditation Books on yoga and meditation that show you how to get free from stress. Books on yoga and meditation that show you how to get free from stress. Now I'm going to teach you a trick in communication. It works everywhere, always, in all places. The punctuation mark is the most powerful mark in all languages. Whoever's asking the questions is leading the conversation. So instead of telling, 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 you ask, ask, ask. And that holds the conversation and directs it the way you want to go. Because a question mark is like a hook. It pulls things along. 
Okay, you, you're going to make this statement and then you hold it together like glue with a question. So, California, where are you from? I mean, I start with this. Hi. California, where are you from? Hong Kong, I love Hong Kong. <laughs> this is from America to Hong Kong. Books on yoga meditation show you how to get free from stress. Now you notice that there's an arc of the book. See how it's flying through the air? And I'm saying the mantra as it's flying. Books on yoga meditation, I'll say it with me. Books on yoga meditation show you how to get free from stress. Now what's going to hold this whole thing in place? How's it going to all be held in place? Because he could reject it at any time, right? So I ask a question. Questions? lead the conversation, they hold things in place, it's like a tennis racket, it's like a hook, it's the most powerful punctuation mark in any language. Okay, so now I'm going to ask him a question. You've heard of stress, right? Yes. Yeah. What if he says no? It doesn't matter. Either way it works. Okay. You've heard of stress, right? No. I thought so because you don't look stressed at all. You look spiritual. Now say yes. You've heard of stress, right? Yes. Really? That's all because you don't look stressed. You look spiritual. Now, I want to tell you something about this. How do you feel if somebody walks up to you in the morning and they say, you look tired. How do you feel? You go look in the mirror, right? It's like, do I look tired? What if somebody walks up to you and goes like, you look terrible. How do you feel? All day long you're going, is it my hair? Is it my, like, what did I forget to brush my teeth? Whatever it is, you're going to be in complete anxiety all day. What if two people came up and said, you really look bad. Your whole day's ruined. You become totally self-conscious. Now, here's the thing. What if somebody says to you, you look spiritual? Let's try it out. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you look spiritual. How do you feel? How do you feel? One word, how do you feel? Spiritual. This is called instant self-realization. You see, the thing is, the soul is in the body and is not the body, but from some time immemorial, it's been changing from one material body to another because they keep thinking that I'm my body. Now, when you walk up to a soul who's part and parcel of God and you say, you look spiritual, they suddenly, everything and the material side short circuits and they go like, oh my God, I am spiritual. I'm a spirit soul from the spiritual world. What am I doing here? They suddenly realize their identity when you say you look spiritual. And you'll notice they'll, they'll, their robot changes. Everything starts to move around. And then, <laughs> when you say this phrase, you look spiritual. So now here comes the next question because remember we're holding together everything with questions. Are you ready? What's your, secret? what's your secret? Turn to somebody and ask them, what's your secret? Now, I'm going to tell you now the genius behind this. If you don't know, learn anything else today, just take this one question with you wherever you go. It's going to change your life. You can thank me later. So, this one question changes the relationship. Everybody you meet is thinking a similar thing in one way or another. I want to stay the way I am. I don't want some random person walking up to me and suggesting how I should change my life, join a new religion, uh, start shaving my head, you know, whatever it may be. I want to stay where I'm comfortable. Even if it's uncomfortable, they want to stay in that position.
That's the modes of nature. That's how everybody is. So when you walk up to them, they, they're thinking, this person is condescending to me. They're trying to change me some way. And they, there's always a slight resentment. It's right near the surface. So the way you change that is you become their student. You put them on a vyasasana and you kneel down, you do jai jai, and you say, <laughs> you're amazing. In fact, you look spiritual. What is your secret? When you ask somebody what their secret is, you're asking about a spiritual secret, which means they're now the guru. You tell me the secret. Raja Guya, Raja Vidya Raja Guyam, you please tell me the secret of life because you know and I don't know. Now you've just changed the relationship and that's where you want to be with people. You don't want to be the one telling, you want to be the one receiving knowledge from them because now their heart is open to you because you respect them as an individual and the fact that they're on a journey and that they're spiritual. Do you understand? This changes everything, it changes the equation. So once you ask what's your secret, then you take the book bath back. So here we go. Hi. Hi. California, where are you from? from Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. <laughs> this is from America to Hong Kong. Books on yoga and meditation that show you how to get free from stress. You've heard of stress before, right? Yes. Really? Because you don't look stressed. You look spiritual, actually. What's your secret? Gets up early in the morning. I knew it. Here, I'll show you really quick. So now I'm taking the book back. See, that first part didn't take long, or it can take a little longer depending on your interaction in the street. This is just the, the, a template, and you'll have to expand or contract it according to the, each circumstance. But now I'm taking the book back based on the fact that we've already established the fact that he already knows all about this. He's in resonance with what I'm handing them. So I'm taking the book back and I'm going to do show and tell. So the first thing I do to build credibility is name dropping. You only have one name on the back of here, but there's only three names on the back of the American Gita and we drop a bunch of names. We turn it over and all we do is go like Thoreau, Emerson, Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Albert Einstein, The Beatles, Tupac Shakur. They all read this book. And then I'll show them the next part is the Sanskrit. You open it up and you show them the Sanskrit inside and you say, look, can you read that? No? no? That's okay, it's all translated. I was just kidding. I was just testing you, I say. And then they kind of smile. And then I say, this has been translated in English over 400 times. And then I turn to the front. You know what's in the front of the book? What's in, in the second and third and fourth pages? University reviews, right? So people have heard of universities like, have you heard of University of Chicago? Say yes. yes. How about Georgetown University? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you just show a couple schools and say, this is used in many of the universities around the world and out of all the translations, this has become the most appreciated academically. Then the next thing is to show pictures. So get used to opening the pictures. You can practice a few times. And you want to show them the changing bodies. Have you ever seen this before? Changing bodies? Well, they haven't. And whenever I go to corporates in the Bay Area, I bring my changing body exhibit with me. When I get in the lobby where I have to check in, you have to put your ID and they give you a special badge to go up to the room where you're going to give the presentation. And I'm carrying my changing bodies. 
everybody stops. They're all walking to work, and they come over, they'll do a double take. They'll walk past me and then do a U-turn and come back, and they go, what is that? And I say, what do you think it is? And they go, oh my God. <laughs> I get on the elevator, there's 10 people in there, and one person looks and goes, what is that? And I say, what do you think it is? And they go, oh my God. <laughs> Larry, look at this. And so, you may think this is an ordinary picture, but this is mind-blowing. It shows the soul, hey, wait a minute, buddy. Look at this. You're just passing through. They get it in a nutshell. So show this picture to them. And it's a new life's experience. It's always the most popular exhibit at Rathiatra is the changing bodies. So you show them this and say, look, we start here. We end up here. We're just passing through. It's a quick journey, right? And then if you want to add something to it, you ask the people. Ask the person and say, where are you in this? Like, where are you? Would you say? You point. She says she's right here. Where are you? About there? I'm over here. I was here five minutes ago. And then the next picture I show is the picture of Vidya Vinaya Sampane. You know that verse? So a sage sees everybody equally. So I say to people, look at a self, an enlightened person, a self-realized person treats everyone with respect. Because he or she sees that the spirit is within the heart. And then I ask him another question. Everyone okay so far? Yes. Okay, we're almost there. You've heard of karma, right? Yes. What does it mean to you? Things that come around. He said, things that come around, go around. Things that go around, come around. That's what he said. And people say mostly that. They'll say other things too. I'll say, you've heard of karma, right? What does it mean to you? Everyone say that. You've heard of karma, right? What does it mean? And they say yes. And they say, what does it mean to you? I'll say, then they'll say, what goes around comes around. Whatever he tells me, uh, you go like this. Whoa. That's a great explanation. Okay. So give me another explanation. Uh, you've heard of karma, right? Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to you? Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes good things happen. Yeah, you say something like, you know, like there's rabbits and rainbows and there's all kinds of stuff in the universe. Say like that. What does it mean to you? Whoa. I really like the way you put things. And if there's a few of you standing watching and they say... What's coming to you? And then you say, they say some things like, oh, it's like trippy, man. It's like really far out. It's like, you know, things go up, down, around. Whoa, I really like the way you put things. If more people in the world thought like you, it'd be a better place to live. And then, see, there it is. If more, say this one, because this is one of those other ones. If more people in the world thought like you, the world would be a better place to live. Okay, next one. The last question I asked him, just coming to the close. What do you do professionally? Let me find a professional in here. Nitai Kripa? What do you do professionally? International mobility. What does that mean? <laughs> Helping people to move it, move internationally and get a, a new place to live and a job. Really? This guy used to be in international mobility. <laughs> Let's ask one of the ladies, what do you do professionally? Anybody work? 
What do you do professionally? A pharmacist. This guy used to be a pharmacist. <laughs> you show the picture. It's right here. It's good. Just ask him really seriously. What do you do professionally? Um, ballet dancers. This guy used to be a ballet dancer. Whatever it is, this guy used to be a this, this guy used to be a that. I'm a civil engineer. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a dancer. Really? This guy was a civil engineer. This guy was a Sunday school teacher. This guy was a dancer. And then what they say is, half the time they'll go, really? Really seriously? Because they don't want to offend you or something like that. Take it seriously. And then you go, no, not really. And then they say, ha, ha, ha. And the other 50% of people, as soon as you say it, they'll say, ha, ha, ha. And right when they say, ha, 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 that's when you hand the book back. And there's a mantra for handing the book back. You say like this, you, we don't sell it. Now you time it, so right when you're putting the book in their hand, you say, we don't, as soon as you say it, the book touches their hand. Are you ready? We don't sell it. Like in a bookstore. We only ask for a donation. We don't need the money. But it's an ancient tradition. When you give something in return for spiritual knowledge, it connects you to the previous teachers who have painstakingly passed down the wisdom and it allows you to enter deeply within the knowledge. It closes the circle. Here it is. We don't need the money. Repeat. We don't need the, money. the only reason we ask is that it's an ancient tradition. When you give something in return, for spiritual knowledge, it connects you to the previous teachers who have passed it down over many generations and allows you to enter deeply within the knowledge. People love that. See, the thing is, it's not selling something, it's not tit for tat, it's not how much it costs exactly, although you can add that in. But the main point is, it's not for me, I don't need the money, it's for you. You're giving for you so you can read the book. And you may think that sounds different or risky, but try it. Because it changes the equation. It's not like, I need something from you. I need you to give more. I need you to do this. It's like, no, I don't need it. It's, up, it's for you, not for me. I don't need the money at all, which is true. And then if you need to give an amount, you can put it fill in the blank. It costs such and such to print and ship. Anything you give that over that is a donation. You can add that in. And then learn a few comebacks. I already know about this, all about this. That's great. I could tell by looking at you. They say, I'm a Buddhist. Like, I'll start to hand it to you. And you say, I'm a Buddhist. Like, books on yoga, meditation, showing you how to get free from stress. And then you go, I'm, a Buddhist. Oh, I'm sorry, here, I'll give you the Buddha book. And then you take the different book. Give me that other book you have. Books on yoga meditation shows how to get free from stress. I'm a Buddhist though. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you're a Buddhist. Great, here, we'll give you the Buddha book. <laughs> then give them the Buddha book and then you just go on with it. Just add in a little bit about Buddha and then we'll be fine. Okay, next is, are you selling this? Does anybody ever ask you this? Yeah, yeah you say, we refuse to sell it. Everyone say. We refuse to sell it. Just be adamant. They say, are you selling this? We refuse to sell this. It's too valuable. We just ask for a donation. And so the harder you lean into that when they say, are you selling it? And you say, we refuse to sell this. It's too valuable to sell. We just take donations. They don't mind that. They'll give you a donation. 
Okay, how much should I donate? We try to keep it under 100, 100 quid. And then you can add under your breath. But in your case, we're thinking about making an exception. <laughs> do you believe in the power of prayer? This is the next part. After they bought the book, do you believe in the power of prayer? Yeah, so say yes. yes. Now say no. no. It works either way. If they say no, I don't believe in the power of prayer. And go, oh good, I'll give you a mantra. If they say, I believe in the power of prayer, you just move on with the next part and say, this is a beautiful prayer meant to wake up love for God in your heart. If they say, I don't believe in prayer, I don't, I don't believe in the power of prayer, oh good, okay, I'll give you a mantra. It's meant for self-realization. And then you say, please repeat, are you ready? Please repeat, are you ready? Please repeat, are you ready? Okay, because they start to get mental and they think, oh, I don't think I should say this. And they're right, they shouldn't because that's finishing the material life. So, okay, I'm going to say it, then you repeat. Are you ready? Yes. You, you be a little abrupt and then you go, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Then give him prasadam. He take lollipops, 1972, Batu Gopal, Cleveland, Ohio. He saw the Salvation Army giving out candy canes, accepting donations. He got some. He gave them to his Sankirtan devotees. They offered him to Krishna first, of course. And afterwards, devotees complained to Prabhupada. They said they're selling karmi candy, boga, this, that. Prabhupada wrote back. He said, what is the harm? He said, in India all the time, Pujaris buy simple sugar candies. They offer them to the deities and then they distribute as Mahaprasadam. He said, you can do also. He said, in fact, you can offer them directly to the deities. So if you get dum-dum pops, they're universally accepted. There's nobody on earth, including monkeys in Vrindavan that don't appreciate a lollipop. <laughs> Anybody you give a lollipop to, most serious people. There was a guy named John Sununu. He was the Secretary of State in the United States when I was working in the San Francisco airport. He walked up to me because he thought I was going to give him directions or something like that. And before he, I handed him a lollipop. And as he, I was giving him direction, he already unwrapped it and was going crunch, crunch. <laughs> and a monkey sitting on a wall, I'll just fling him a lollipop. Slow motion. <laughs> Everyone likes lollipops. Carry them in your pocket, give them out liberally, and give them to people. And if you have other kinds of prasadam, always give people prasadam and then get their contact information if they're contactable and stay in touch. And the last thing you do is say, thank you for taking your valuable time. It has been an honor to meet you. Everyone say, thank you for taking your It's been an honor to meet you. And even if they don't take a book, say the same thing. It's thank you for taking your valuable time. It's been an honor to meet you. Always leave everyone with a good impression. That's our prime objective. Leave everyone with a good impression. Don't worry, take book, don't take book. Doesn't matter. We're just out there. It's up to Krishna which books flow through us. The main thing is leave everyone with a good impression. Just try to make everyone a friend. Okay? So, now you know how to distribute a book. I'm going to demonstrate one more time. Prabhu, if you'll stand up. I'll just do it. Everyone... <laughs> pay attention because then you're all going to do it. Hi. Okay. California, where are you from? 
Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. This is from America to Hong Kong. Books on yoga and meditation that show you how to get free from stress. You've heard of stress before, right? Uh, yeah, I have. Really? Because you don't look stressed. Actually, you look very peaceful. In fact, you look spiritual. What's your secret? Um, yeah, I, I eat good food. I knew it. All right, here, I'll show you really quick. And you always say, really quick, because they're thinking, is this a Bhagavatam class, or am I going <laughs> to be out of here quick? Thoreau, Emerson, Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Albert Einstein, the Beatles, they all read this book. That's all you have to say. You don't have to interact more than that. Just like you're throwing names out of a hat. Then open to the Sanskrit and go, can you read that? Uh, no, I'm not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, most people can't. I was just kidding. It's all translated into English, and it's been translated over 400 times. Out of all the versions, this has become extremely popular academically. You know University of Chicago? Yeah. Georgetown University? Yeah, that's all you have to say. That's it. You know them? You've heard of that? Okay, fine. Move on. Next thing is changing bodies. Here, I'll show you in a nutshell. We start here. We end up here. We're just passing through. Life's like a quick journey, right? Where are you in this? Around here, I guess. Yeah, we're all just passing through. We're in the same boat. And a self-realized person treats everyone with respect because he or she sees the spirit in everyone's heart. You know what I mean? You've heard of karma, right? Yes. What does it mean to you? Flying elephants. And oh, wow. I love the way you put things. <laughs> if more people in the world thought like you, it would be a better place to live. And sometimes if people say, no, I don't believe in karma. And you say, yeah, but what does it mean anyway? And they go, what goes around comes around. It means like, so it's like, well, if more people in the world thought like you, it would be a better place to live. So you just kind of bring them along. And then what do you do professionally? I'm a sportsman. What kind of sportsman? <laughs> what, what kind of books? Spiritual books. This guy used to sell spiritual books. We don't sell them like in a bookstore. We only take donations. We don't need the money, but it's an ancient tradition. When you give something in return for spiritual knowledge, it connects you to the previous teachers who have passed it down over many generations and allows you to enter deeply within the knowledge. But I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> Wait, just give it an answer. So, we'll, we'll go through the template one, but the Buddha thing we already know. So now, one thing is, the reason that people oftentimes say they don't have any money, have it, has anybody said that yeah. to you? Okay, there's a couple of points here. One thing, when somebody says, I don't have any money, they're kind of saying they don't have any cash. So the first thing is to say, uh, just say, I don't have any money. Say, I don't have any money. Perfect. Or say, I don't have any cash. I don't have any cash. Yeah, we don't take cash. We take uh, whatever you take. What do you take? Visa. We take MasterCard, Visa. What are the other apps called here? You got Venmo? No, no. Zelle? No. Okay. And they don't mind? Sorry? They don't mind? No, they don't mind. Okay. We take MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Cart Blunch, and Diners Club. Whatever it is, you just tell them, you know, they say, I don't have cash. Honor their objection and say, yeah, perfect, because we don't take cash. Everything they say is perfect. I don't have this. Yeah, because we don't take that. And yeah, no. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm with you. We take the next thing. I don't have any cash? Yeah, I don't have any cash. Yeah, we don't take cash. We take MasterCard Visa. And, and then the other thing is, if some people say, I don't have any money, you could also say, 
will just give a penny. So it's called the penny principle because people don't know how much to give and they don't want to give too little and insult you. And they also don't want to give too much because it hurts to give money. So if you say just give a penny, then a lot of times it breaks them free and they'll say, just a penny, I can't give a penny. All right, here. And then they'll give you five or ten or whatever it is. And another part, and these are things you can play around with to adjust in a custom way that you present, is when you ask for the donation, if you tell them they cost us around 10 to print and ship, anything you give over that is a donation. Then it gives them a clear idea to shoot for, and that takes away some of the ambiguity from the situation. So anyway, give a donation. Thank you very much. Now, you believe in the power of prayer? Yeah. Okay, I'll teach you this beautiful prayer. Do you have a card? Cards are coming. You hand them a card and say, please repeat after me. Are you ready? Yes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Where's the prasadam? Okay. And thank you for being so kind. Hey. This is for being so kind, kind-hearted. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was an honor to meet you. Thank you. Okay. Now, does anyone have it? Okay. So now, now what we're going to do, and this is a, a test of your organizational skills, we're going to need to uh, have everybody in just a moment stand up, move all the stuff on the floor out of the way, so it's an open space. You're not stepping on any of the asanas or phones or anything like that. And then uh, form a couple of lines, two or three lines, where you're evenly matched facing one other person. On one side of the line, everyone's holding a Bhagavad Gita, which will give you. On the other side, you're open-handed. There's no uh, book in your hand. And do you understand the exercise? Okay, the record was set a couple of weeks ago when I was in Atlanta. They did it in one minute and 45 seconds. And it was a bigger group than this. Are you ready for the challenge? Yes. On your mark, get set, go. If you can hear me, please say shh. Okay, now first I'm going to show you, move down a little bit. I'm going to show you what not to do. Let me have that book. Don't hold the book in your hand. If you walk around like this, everybody sees you coming. It's like you're going to attack them. This is a telegraph. They're walking down the street. They see you like this, holding the book. You're, you're like this. Then they, they go, yeah, they're going to come after me. Keep the book either under, under your arm like this, really casually, casual, or put it in your book bag or leave it on the table. Just go unarmed like you don't have anything in your hand. They'll look at you and they go like, yeah, you can't get me because you know book. But if you're like this, I guarantee you're going to scare away at least 50% of the people, okay? So then um, start off on this side, and you do your thing. Take the book out of your hand. Put it under there. Yep. And then do your radar. You know the eight steps? I'll review them again. First one is use your radar. If you just walk through it really fast, raise your hand. Second one is qualify. Ask a question. Don't do it now. Just think of it in your mind. Third is trust the hand. If you can hear me, raise your hand. Okay. Next is show and tell. Next is humor. Engage and ask for a donation. 
Okay, just try it. And now, when you're receiving, on the receiving end, don't try to trip them up. You're trying to get them through the template as fast and as perfectly as possible. It's not the time to say, no, I, I don't live anywhere. Uh, or, you know, like, hey, uh, I don't know anything about this. Just be really nice and try to help them along so you can do the reps. You want to go through the series. And if you see that they're, they missed a spot, maybe try to help them out. Say, what about this? What about that? Okay? So try to go through in a few minutes. Don't take forever explaining everything. Just follow the steps and go one way and then stop. And we'll take a few questions and then we'll go the other way. The person that received will then give. Everyone ready? You guys ready? On your mark, get set, distribute. Did any, anybody not get through one rep, like one side? Yeah. You're still on one side? Yeah. You need another minute or two? Yeah. yeah we kind of forgot halfway through. Okay, here's a card. Anybody else forgetting halfway through, you like a card? Sachi, where's the card? Okay, if you would like a card to follow, raise your hand. Okay. Some cards over here, divide it up. Here. Okay, once you finish going one side, stop and it'll take a few questions. And then we'll go the other way, okay? So finish up going the way you're going, and then we'll go the other way. Don't worry if you make mistakes and you skip a part. You'll, get, you'll catch it up on the next round. Okay. Go back to it. I'll stop you in about three more minutes. Three minutes. Go. If you haven't gone the other way, that is only one person who presented, the other person should present now. And then we have Arctic at 12.30, so we have to end in about five minutes. Is there a few announcements and questions I have to answer? So that we have, we're going to uh, finish up in, in short order. So go the other way if you haven't and then see if you can finish in about five minutes. Okay, go for it.